0: Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it.
1: Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space and welcome to episode number 170. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro, and my guest in this episode is Dr. Richard Horton. Dr. Horton is a physician, and he is the editor-in-chief of The Lancet, and The Lancet is one of the most influential, most important, and longest-running medical journals on the planet. Dr. Horton has been serving as the editor-in-chief, and in his time, he and his entire editorial team have been making very specific, very thoughtful, and very important choices about the role of A publication with the influence and the standing that the Lancet has. And in this conversation, we talk about that focus, which is a focus on using the Lancet and turning the Lancet into an instrument of social change. Dr. Horton and his entire team have done incredible work in this space. They have focused on issues like gender equity. And in this one, we hone in a lot on the work that Dr. Horton and the Lancet have done around climate change, whether it is Lancet Countdown and that tremendous program around climate change and global health, and also Dr. Horton's individual comments around physician responsibilities when it comes to working against climate change, including the use of nonviolent protest. And it's a really compelling approach. It's a really compelling and thoughtful way to leverage responsibility, to leverage legacy, to leverage goals and be that instrument of social change and social action that Dr. Horton aspires to, that the bulk of healthcare professionals around the world aspire to, and helping The Lancet sort of set the stage and shine the light on how to do that work. It was an incredible conversation. Being able to, to speak with him was really meaningful for me. Being able to learn more about the way The Lancet is approaching all of this is incredibly special. The Lancet's been a part of my life since I was a little kid. My father is one of the longest continuous subscribers to The Lancet, I think, in the world. Uh, So I've been seeing The Lancet on the shelves since I was a little kid. I've been reading it for a long, long time. And getting this level of granularity and specificity from Dr. Horton was incredibly special. Before we get to the episode with Dr. Horton, I just want to invite everyone, please take a look at the website, www.explorethespaceshow.com. And I just want to mention, too, we have added a notification feature. When you go to the website, please do take the option to get notifications from the website. All you are going to get are notifications about new episodes, or if I post content from a live show or an upcoming event or something like that, there will be no spam. There will be no emails. So if you are so inclined, please do take that opportunity. We will keep the episodes coming this year for sure, and I don't want you to miss out on anything. You can always follow, explore the space wherever you'd like to download podcasts as well. Definitely be sure to Leave us a rating and a review and definitely subscribe, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Podcasts, wherever you like to download your shows. Please take the opportunity to subscribe. Definitely leave us a rating and a review as well. That really helps the show out. Any opportunities you have to spread the word, either... With friends or colleagues or on social media, that's also really appreciated as well. And I think this is one of those episodes too, where when you hear it, you're going to say, "I want other people to hear this one." All of that sort of support is greatly appreciated, and this is an important episode to do that with for sure. You can email me anytime, markatexplorethespaceshow dot com. I'm very active on social media. I'm on Twitter at ets show and Instagram at Explore the Space show so you can find me there as well. This episode meant a lot to me. Uh, It's incredibly informative. Dr. Horton's perspectives and approach, I really feel like the right work. And this is a really important time to be laying this out. It's really important to see how The Lancet is doing it and also to hope that all of the other places where we gather to learn in terms of publications start to take on this example as well and start to adapt this approach because it's the right one and it's an important one. So without further ado, Dr. Richard Horton.
0: Richard, thank you so much for coming on Explore the Space. It's an honor to have you on the show.
2: It's a pleasure to be with you, Mark.
0: You carry a very interesting position. You are the editor-in-chief of The Lancet, which has been, is, and obviously will continue to be one of the most important and influential medical publications on the planet. When you hear that, connect that statement from me which i think most people would would stand behind and connect it with the word responsibility when you put those together what does it feel like for you
2: wow that's a great challenge because the one thing an editor wants to do when they come into an institution that's almost 200 years old like the lancet is to make sure that when they eventually leave it's stronger than when they started so that sense of responsibility is with you every single day and i'm just grateful that we have a a legacy from the founder of the lancet thomas wackley who founded the journal in 1823 he had such a strong and clear vision of what he wanted to achieve that our role today as editors is actually relatively straightforward it is it is to reinvent that mission that he had that vision that he had for the 21st century and that's what we try and do every day with Thomas Wackley sitting on my shoulder, uh, making sure that uh, we, we adhere to his values and his ideas. I really like
0: that you use the word reinvention, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. I shared with you briefly before we started recording, my father, who's been on the podcast, he's a retired physician, is probably one of the longest-running Lancet subscribers in the world, and so I have been looking at looking at first when I was a kid, and then reading the Lancet for a long time. The Lancet is reinventing itself, to my perception, and for me now, as a as a practicing physician, I'm in my second decade of practice. Uh, I host this podcast, where you know I, I interact with lots of people. This idea of reinvention for the 21st century is extremely important. And it seems like the Lancet is taking the lead. So then if we're going to think about you, you carry this weight and you have this desire to shape the mission, how much of it is reinvention? And give us that strategic view of what the reinvention is to look like.
2: Well, now, I started off myself as a clinician. Uh, and I was specializing in gastroenterology and hepatology. And uh, I had a very biomedical training. Uh, I wanted to do research uh, and actually I was on a PhD program when I left the Lanc- left the uh, university I was at and uh, came to join the Lancet and working at the Lancet opened my eyes to a different world that I hadn't seen before. It was a world of initially broader public health and the context of disease. I was working in hospital medicine and didn't really see very much of that context uh, and then When I very first went to Africa in about the year 2000, then embedding public health within a a more global context. And then we got to think about the idea that Thomas Wackley had, which was that not just uh, the answer existed not just to inform readers about advances in medicine, but it was also about reforming medicine. And that twin idea, inform and reform, kept reverberating in my head a little bit like a, um, a, a a ball in a pinball machine. And in this context of not just clinical care but public health and global health, and then the need for reform, a reformist element, it was uh, thinking about how we could use a journal as an instrument for social action, an instrument for social change. And that's really, over the last two decades, what we've been trying to do. Yes, we've been trying to reinvent the Lancet in the spirit of Thomas Wackley, but very much with the idea of using science, using evidence, partnering with the academic community as a way of leveraging that evidence for useful social action.
0: So now we come to the part that I was the most excited to speak with you about, this idea of reinvention and social action. And I want to, if you wouldn't, if you'll indulge me, I want to read back a quote to you that when I read it late last year, it's actually when I first reached out to the Lancet to invite you to come on the show. So this was you several months ago. The climate emergency that we're facing today is the most important existential crisis facing the human species, and since medicine is all about protecting and strengthening the human species, it should be absolutely foundational to the practice of what we do every day. The climate crisis is one of the most, I would say, the most existential crisis facing our communities in the world today. Doctors and all health professionals have a responsibility, an obligation to engage in all kinds of nonviolent social protests to address the climate emergency. That is the duty of a doctor. I sat with that when I read it for the first time because it was at that time that I was thinking and doing work around climate change. But... I'm curious, what was what was the night before and the hours before you delivered that quote? What was your headspace like before you put that quote out publicly?
2: Well, you know, we are living in a very, very disordered world today. And we, we ran a commission, you know, about 10 years ago. Just over 10 years ago, and it was the very first commission we ever did on climate change and health. And that commission came to the conclusion that climate change was the biggest threat to global health in the 21st century. And the reason for that was quite simple that it doesn't matter how fantastic our health services are, it doesn't matter how brilliant our pharmaceutical innovation is, it doesn't matter how wonderful. Uh, the quality of our high-tech diagnostics might be. The fact is that if we don't have a planet to live on, then the rest just becomes a footnote in history. And right now we are heading for a 3 to 4 degree rise in temperature in the 21st century. And if we get that, then we are liable to tip billions of people into the ocean create a refugee crisis like we've never seen before, uh, and be living with extreme weather events that are going to have a profound impact on our populations all over the world. That's a huge health challenge, and we as health professionals, I think we have a duty a responsibility to speak up and be advocates for our patients, for our public who we serve. Uh, the duties of a doctor are to protect and advance the health of those whom we serve, and that is the public. And if that is truly the case, if that's what we've signed up to in our Hippocratic commitment, then surely we have to look at those wider determinants of health. And the climate crisis, the climate emergency we're facing today, Yes, it's a long-range emergency. It doesn't feel like it might be happening today or tomorrow. But, by goodness, you know it's going to be happening in the next decade or 20 or 30 years. We're going to be seeing it, and we're already seeing signs of it. So I do believe that we have a responsibility to speak up. Uh, And the issue of civil disobedience, well, I come from a country which... uh, which has a very proud history of civil disobedience in health, the sanitary movement of the 19th century was driven very much by uh, a movement of civil disobedience. Thomas Wackley, uh, the man who founded the journal that I have the privilege to be responsible for today, he was arrested on many occasions, found himself in the courts on many occasions because he protested and indulged in civil disobedience in order to uh, precipitate reforms to the health system in the United Kingdom. So I come from a long tradition of people who've been advocates of peaceful, non-violent protests. Uh, So I think that advocacy is As important if not more important in the 21st century than it was in the 19th century so yes it's our duties as a doctor
0: if I had been in the room when I had heard that I would have asked to shake your hand and I would have wanted to take a picture I wonder though if you could reflect a little bit on in the in the days following and in the months following that and in the release of the new Lancet Countdown report, what was the response from the medical community when someone in a position of leadership, such as yourself, makes a statement like that?
2: Well, I think that there was uh, two two reactions. The first reaction was one of warm support from those young medical students and doctors who were taking part in marches. Of extinction rebellion, yeah, and extinction rebellion, uh, of course, is a is a now broad social movement that has three very simple messages, which are tell the truth about the climate crisis, act now to do something about it, and go beyond politics. In other words, uh, politics has failed, and we have to think of alternative ways of creating social change. So. It was welcomed by that group, and I think by another group, and I I do understand this, uh, I think it was probably met with horror that the role of a doctor is not to uh, be on the streets and getting themselves arrested or protesting. The role of a doctor is to sit in clinic and to be the personal physician for the patient in front of him or her. Uh, I do understand that, but, you know, there's there's also... Um, I also drew on a great tradition of civil disobedience in the United States. One of my favorite essays is by Henry David Thoreau, uh, who, of course, uh, wrote about the importance of social reform um, and uh, civil disobedience. So, you know, I think think that... uh, uh, when you look at the idea of nonviolent protest in a broader social context, this is something that at key moments in human history, you've needed that in order to provoke politicians and decision makers to act. Um, and uh, I'm proud that the Lancet stands in that tradition.
0: What I found particularly interesting about it is you put yourself and the lancet in the center of attention in our profession where i think a lot of physicians of all different ages of all different places in their career from people who are in pre-medicine and getting ready to go to medical school or nursing school or people who want to do healthcare administration all the way through the spectrum of people in their careers of reconciling that place of for a long time i think it was what you described of in the office in the hospital Maintaining that standard of professionalism that was thought to be correct where advocacy on important topics was not encouraged. That needle is definitely moving. For me, I, I feel it personally. I see it amongst my friends locally. I see it amongst my colleagues nationally in the United States and obviously internationally. Is it part of the intention, do you think? Is it part of that mission of the Lancet and that connecting with the history of the Lancet that you described, but also kind of reshaping it to meet the needs of the 21st century, is part of that work to continue to encourage us to find our voices and to learn how to do that sort of social advocacy?
2: Very much so. And I think maybe part of the reason why I feel like this, and it's perhaps a little bit more embraced in this country, is that, and I want to come to an issue in American politics at the moment, but Part of the reason why I think we are so passionate about um, advocacy for health and uh, health services is the history of the National Health Service. I mean, in a position of utter economic collapse and devastation post-World War II, the country invented this institution called the NHS, which now is almost totemic as defining British identity. In every single election, except the most recent, because Brexit was the number one issue, it's it's either the first or the second most important issue on voters' minds. Um, And the most recent election in this country was largely run on promises made about the NHS. So I think the NHS is very health is very hardwired into British DNA. But look, it's changing around the world, it's not just this country. You know, Mark, I'm old enough to remember, I lived in America in the mid-90s. And during that time, if anybody was talking seriously about, uh, if anybody talked about the idea of a single-payer system or Medicare for all, they would have been laughed off the political stage. Nobody was ready for, for that kind of discussion. Um, and now, you're looking at a series of Democrat contenders, and one of the issues that virtually unites them is the idea of having some sort of universal health coverage. So, the political needle has moved in the United States, just as it's moving in many other countries. Health is, health. the beautiful thing about our profession, Mark, is that it builds connections between people. How can you be against health? How can you be against well-being for all um, the other, it's the one issue that should encourage solidarity between individuals between communities between peoples within countries and between countries um, and I think it's our task to use health as a bridge for peace as a bridge for cooperation uh, as a bridge for mutual understanding and in a small way that's what we're trying to do at the lancet Richard I think you framed that beautifully and then that brings me to something that
0: I am very curious about as part of this reinvention process the Lancet and I would say most medical journals the Lancet I think is better at this but most medical journals are very cloistered very walled off carry sort of an air of exclusivity away from the general public very little is is free and they're just they there's there's I don't know they're almost sort of standoffish in a way How much do you want to see the Lancet have crossover appeal? And I, and I asked that, I started thinking about this when I had Jocelyn Clark, one of your colleagues on, and we discussed the exquisite issue of the Lancet from February of 2019 on gender equity in the world. These sorts of things feel like they should and could reach a broad audience inside and outside of healthcare. How much do you want to see crossover appeal?
2: Well, very much so, because I think that medicine is an extremely powerful force in our culture. It's, it shouldn't be closed off in the hospital or the clinic. Uh, our concern about health and well-being pervades every aspect of our life, from the moment we walk into the coffee shop in the morning to we do our, uh, our shopping for dinner in the evening. We're surrounded by health messages, by thoughts about health, uh, it's, a, it's a big factor that shapes our everyday lives. Um, now, I, I, I think that w- what I want to see the Lancet do is very much make those connections between different parts of our society. Um, let me just give you briefly two examples, current examples. Over the weekend, I was contacted through Twitter and then by email by Uh, somebody who is living in China currently and experiencing uh, the very difficult situation of having her city shut down and in quarantine by the government of China. And One thing that we are not hearing at the moment are the voices of those citizens who are living under one of the most draconian public health measures that we have seen in recent history, perhaps understandably draconian, but nevertheless draconian, and we need to hear those voices about what it's like, and the Lancet can be a place where I can take what that person said to me and we can put it in the issue in this week so that the world can hear the voice of that person who otherwise couldn't hear that voice, or second, in February we're launching a major commission that's uh, looking at the future of child and adolescent health, and that commission is being co-chaired by Helen Clark, a former Prime Minister of New Zealand, and Ara Kolsek, um, who's a former Minister of Health of Senegal. Now, I certainly know that Helen Clark, when she was Prime Minister, didn't read The Lancet. I hope she might have heard of it, but she certainly didn't read it. And yet, she very graciously agreed to lead a commission on child and adolescent health. And what we try to do again is to reach out to people who've had political power, and form a common bond with them to say that if you use your your networks and your name in collaboration with the scientific community, we've got the evidence, you've got the leverage. If we put the two together, then maybe we can actually make some social change here. So I think that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to work in slightly odd ways compared with the way some journals have worked. But we're doing it in the spirit of trying to accelerate progress in human health where we're somewhat paralyzed at the moment.
0: You're coming up against that very common statement of we do it this way because it's the way it's always been done. You're, You're deviating from that. And I'm curious, in a good way, and in the right way, and it's the right work, what kind of response are you getting from your colleagues who are in, in sort of the world of medical publication and who do and who write and create and build medical journals? Are they receptive and asking for feedback on how they can do, do the same sort of thing, do it differently, do it better, get better at the same work, or are they saying, you are taking that hard right turn and you're going off a cliff and we're going to watch you fall? <laughs>
2: Uh, well, I think, I think that there's a little bit of um, both in there, actually. Uh, uh, so I think, first of all, there is definitely a wave of interest in global health that's yeah. uh, attracted medicine, and certainly if you look at the new generation of medical students and young doctors, they're much more globalist than I certainly was at their age. And that's a wonderful thing i mean they really are citizens of the world that care about the rest of the world They care about medicine in the rest of the world and that's just tremendous and i think journals are responding to that uh so that's a positive um i'll be honest with you i've not had any other editors come to me and uh, say uh help us to do something similar or how can we learn from you um i don't see that this has been something that others have uh, have copied and i and i honestly don't understand why um I, i'm puzzled and i'm puzzled because we're not doing anything that wasn't in the spirit of enlightenment 300 years ago if you go back and look at the founding documents of the enlightenment uh for example in france and Diderot's encyclopedia you will find Statements there about why knowledge was being gathered and put together and knowledge was being gathered and put together not to sit on a library shelf or an internet website uh, or to get tenure at a university or to earn great wealth and fortune. Knowledge was put together in the 17th century with a very clear purpose and that was to advance the well-being of society. That's what enlightenment was for. And somewhere along the way in that 300-year period, we forgot that message. And science, and certainly medical science, became this enormous industrial process where it was all about numbers of papers you published. It was all about um, the commercialization of that science. And we forgot that actually we were there to do a job which was to deliver the promise of enlightenment so i think what we're doing is just being true to that promise it's not a new idea it's just dusting off a very old idea and burnishing it for a new generation and so i am puzzled very puzzled genuinely puzzled why others are have not I don't want to say copy-dust, but in their own way, um, develop this idea. It's a simple idea that science is a force for social good, medicine is a cultural force force for the betterment of society. Why aren't we using science and medicine uh, to do both? And journals have a very activist role to play in catalysing those kinds of societal
0: changes. And they would be keeping with the central dogma of our profession, which was what we've always done. We learn together, we collaborate together, and we do it with the purpose of advancing human health. And I think to miss out on that opportunity is a real mistake. Do you have a, an educational background in history? And I ask that as someone who got there, I got my undergraduate degree in history. And you speak in ways that resonate for me very deeply on many levels, because a lot of it is that leveraging lessons from the past to help us set our vision of the future and doing it very specifically and very intentionally. So I'm curious, how much mm. training and education in, in in history and historical method do you carry forward?
2: Well, I uh, always loved the humanities when I was at school. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was denied the opportunity because of our very constricting educational system of doing... Uh, an English major, um, and so the result was that I went straight into medical school and into science and I've been playing catch-up ever since. <laughs> I, do, yeah. I do rather, I'll tell you, I do rather admire your, your system, uh, which allows you to go deep into a subject that you love, um, and then with the slight wisdom that you have with the maturity of a few years then going into medical school, I think your system does have advantages compared with ours. Uh, and uh, but as I say, yeah, I'm afraid you're you're better qualified than I am, there, Mark. Uh, <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will bow to your superior historical skills. Uh, but I'll, I'm a I'm a I'm a willing and enthusiastic student.
0: I'm I'm delighted to go and tell my dad that I just received a compliment from the editor in chief of the Lancet. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make his day. You were all doing amazing work with The Lancet, and you've you've honed in on very specific topics. We We focused on one of them, climate change and Lancet countdown, and we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. You've honed in on gender equity, and you've done that extraordinary issue that, again, we referenced earlier. Are there other topics? Are there other big strategic themes that in your role as editor-in-chief you feel it's imperative that you continue to take the same infrastructure, these same templates and really hone in on?
2: Yes, I mean we have a, we actually have a program of commissions uh, which is planned really out for the next three to four years. So we have a lot of projects that we, that we want to draw attention to from issues around different dimensions of mental health to cancer, to corruption, to country health systems. I mean, there's a whole array of things. I think we've got something like 40 or 50 odd different commissions now.
0: And they're all, they're all laid um, out on your website. There's a, there's a host of them. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm asking, are there things that you want to elevate? Or do you want to elevate them in sequence? Are, is, there, is there a process by which...
2: There's one thing things. I want to do. There's one. There is one that I've been struggling with, Mark, and I would like. I'd like to do a special project on it, and that is. I hope this doesn't sound too pretentious. Um, I I am genuinely concerned about the direction. I and mean, let, let me start off in a different way. Um, capitalism has brought enormous wealth and happiness and joy and well-being to millions, hundreds of millions of people in our world. No question about that. Uh, It's taken hundreds of millions of people out of poverty. No question about that. So, all, all credit to capitalism as a mechanism organizing our society. But what we're seeing today is the consequence of capitalism, which is the gradual, Devastation and destruction of our planet and our environment and our communities. And there's got to come a point where we ask ourselves the question to what extent does capitalism harm human health? And what are we going to do about it? Uh, and so I'm not a Marxist um, and I'm not an authoritarian. I think of myself as a mainstream social democrat, um, but I'm worried about the path that our species is taking, and I want to use the Lancet to inquire about what we do of that. Um, Capitalism is no question, one of the great human inventions, but we need to look at it with a very clear eye and recognize that it's got harmful adverse effects. And just like any drug with harmful adverse effects, what do we do as a doctor? We need to be identifying those and mitigating it against them. So, yeah, the impact of capitalism on human health, that will be my swan song.
0: It, that is that's fantastic. What a, what a fan, what a fascinating topic, and the analogy that you used, I think, is really effective too. That that idea of a clear eye and looking at risks versus benefits, and what are those risks, and how do we mitigate them when we say this is the right way to go forward, but there are risks. Here's what they are. Here's their impact. Let's come up with mitigation strategies so we can continue to get the best out of this. And, and I right. think that that's that's a that's a fabulous way to go forward. You've mapped out an extraordinary course, and I think that the course that you set the Lancet on is very impactful. I think that the the, the the hope is that the model you create does bring more more entities aboard, because the more there are pushing on these really important topics, the more effective our profession, I think, will be. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to speak with you. I've been looking forward to this for such a long time, and the Lancet's been part of my life since before I was born. So this was very, very special. Where do people find you? If they want to find you individually, and if they want to find the Lancet, where should they go? Uh,
2: The best place to go is Twitter, um, because uh, we're always on Twitter. Uh, We never stop. So it would be great to uh, meet up with people on Twitter look forward to hearing from you
0: and you're at richard horton and then the number one and then the lancet is at that's the right. lancet
2: that's right that's right And um, uh, we're keen to have any messages from you um, any age any part of the world any any place of work uh we're we're keen just to hear from everybody
0: richard this was a total pleasure i really appreciate you coming on the show thank you so much
2: thank you really appreciate it thanks mark